Hello, my name is Donald Smith. I am the District Superintendent of the Southeast District of the North Alabama Conference, and I want to welcome you to the Read Together podcast. I want to do something a little different today. I want to take the four different scriptural representations for the first Sunday in Lent from the New Revised Common Lectionary and put them together under the subject heading of Covenant. Our readings are Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, Psalm chapter 25, verses 1 through 10, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22, and Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. The idea of covenant means coming together. It presupposes that two or more parties who come together to make a contract agreeing on promises, privileges, and responsibilities, and it can be translated as a treaty. It means a lifelong friendship or agreement. Now, covenant in the ancient world was similar to what we in the modern world would call a contract or a will. Covenants are established on the basis of relationship, and that's vitally important. In these relationships, we see promises and conditions of the relationship and consequences if those conditions are not met. Of course, one of the most familiar covenants that we see and that we know in today's time is the covenant of marriage. So covenant becomes important because they provide what I call the skeletal framework for how the whole biblical story holds together. The story of the Bible unfolds and as it unfolds we see God as a covenant making God, a covenant keeping God, and a covenant fulfilling God. Again, it's vitally important to understand that God establishes or establishes covenants with his people, and these covenants are the way that God unfolds his redemptive plan. The covenants are the structure of history. Now, there are many, many covenants uh, throughout the Bible, but I just want to highlight five of them that I believe coincides with our scripture readings for today. The first covenant is a covenant that God made with Noah that we find in Genesis chapter 9 from our reading also how God establishes with Noah after the flood in which he resets and renews the blessings of creation, reaffirming God's image in humanity and very important, the work of dominion. So this covenant, this covenant with Noah or the Noahic covenant promises the preservation of humanity and provides for the restraint of human evil and violence. What we discover is that God is working to reestablish the relationship between uh, himself and his creation, that we are reminded that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, that when God has created uh, man and woman, That verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so God has given them dominion over all of creation. However, we know that in chapter three, there's what we describe as the fall of God's creation because they succumb or submit or are tricked by one, uh, the serpent representing the devil. Now, what we see in this, beloved, is that 
suddenly, rather than take dominion or authority over the devil or over the serpent, they have a conversation with him. And as a result of that conversation, they, uh, meaning uh, the man and the woman, consequently uh, lose their place in the garden. And so from that time forward, God is working to renew that relationship. It is, it, is, it is because of the greatness and the goodness of God that he is seeking to renew that relationship that once was lost in the garden. The Abrahamic covenant is an extension of the Nehoic covenant in that God promises Abraham a land he promises descendants, and he promises to bless them. We see the introduction of the characteristic of faith in this Abrahamic covenant. The blessing promised to Abraham would extend to all of the people of the earth. And so it's vitally important, beloved, in understanding the Abrahamic covenant is understanding the theological concept of promised land, of election, of the people of God, inheritance, and it provides the context for understanding practices like circumcision, conflict with surrounding nations, and the difference between God's people and those who are not God's people. Going deeper, the Mosaic Covenant establishes with the people of Israel, after God has, lead, has led them out of slavery, he supplies a law in Exodus chapter 19, that law, that covenant that we know as the Ten Commandments establishes a condition and is conditional to helping the people of God understanding the difference between obedience and disobedience, blessings and curses. We see that exemplified out in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 29. The Davidic covenant goes even deeper in that God promises the people of God, that uh, David's family or his descendants will reign on the throne over God's people forever. It is a continuation of the earlier covenants in that it promises David, a Davidic king, through whom God would secure the promises that he has for his people. This covenant becomes the basis for hope of Messiah and makes sense of the gospel's concern to show how the Messiah, Jesus, would be the rightful king of the Jews. And then finally, what we know as the new covenant is the covenant that promises a coming day when God would make a covenant unlike the one to which Israel has broken that he has written his covenant on tablets of stone, and the people of God has broken them. He has called forth his prophets, and they have killed his prophets. And finally, God sends his son. And this coming day of this new covenant would be a time of forgiveness of sins, an internal renewal of the heart, and the intimate knowledge of God. It is God working to renew that relationship. You remember uh, on the night in which Jesus sits with his disciples in what we call the Last Supper, that meal, Jesus takes the cup and declares that his death would be an inauguration of the new covenant. I love the way 
Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he says, recounting that occasion, he says, For I receive, verse 23, For I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup of the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in these verses that we have today, we see God's uh, desire to renew the covenant between himself and his people. We see in Psalm chapter 25, or the 25th division of Psalm, where David makes this declaration in verse 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep his demands and his covenant. We see him uh, renewing a covenant in, of baptism, this outward show of inward transformation in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus is baptized. And we hear those iconic words where God says in verse 11, and the voice comes from heaven, and you are my son in whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. I love this story as recounted in Luke's gospel in chapter 4, when Luke recounts that when Jesus is baptized by John, he is full of the Spirit as he enters into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But when he comes out victoriously, he is not only full of the Spirit, but he comes out under the power of the Spirit and begins his earthly ministry. In our reading in 1 Peter, we see the final words that help us to understand the fullness of what God is doing in this covenant relationship that he has established with his people and that which he desires to reestablish in this eternal now that we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, these very important words, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, here it is, to bring you to God. And that is the purpose that God has intended for his covenant, that he desires to bring all of his creation, those who are his, back unto him to reestablish that dominion, that kingdom authority over all of the earth. In verse 21 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter, it says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And so it is that exemplification of Jesus's life that helps us to know that you and I, as the people of God, have, through the covenant that is established by God, the authority to rule on the earth. That we uh, realize and recognize that plants have no authority over us, that animals have no authority over us, 
that fear has no authority over us, that whatever we can think of, it has no authority, no power over us as long as we walk in the revelation, knowledge, wisdom, and power, understanding the fact that God has called us to be in relationship with him, that relationship that he has intended from the first. My prayer, beloved, is that you and I will walk in that authority. You and I will walk in that revelation knowledge. And that as we go out into the world, we proclaim the true power and authority of God in all of our lives. This is my prayer. Let us pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, bless your people today and forevermore. And may we walk in the power of your authority all the days of our lives here on earth and glorify you so much the more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. God keep you. May his face forever shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.